The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. Wrestling to the Max, Monday Night Raw, review. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Wrestling to the Max Raw Review for December 4th, 2017. And of course, we are brought to you by W2Mnet.com. That's the place where you go get all your great wrestling podcasts and a lot more. And don't forget to go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review over at Wrestling to the Max. Once you do that, you'll get all our great shows and one nice package in the dock whenever you want to come listen to us. Plus, don't forget to go give some love to 411mania.com. And last word on ProWrestling.com, both great supporters and both great sites to go have some reading material at your pleasure when it comes to the world of wrestling. I am Gary Vaughn, and along with me is Paul Leeser, your host. hey And Paul, I am ready to talk some Raw, because we had lots of interesting stuff here, some stuff that has been rumored, has kind of come to real-life fruition, and, uh, and of course, some other things that have kind of transpired that I think we... I, I think we'll have some great talking points, to be honest with you. So I'm I'm kind of excited about talking about Raw tonight. Yeah, me too. Uh, and uh, let's let's not dilly-dally around here. We have the show open with Kurt Angle coming out to welcome us and hypes up all the action we have tonight. Obviously, we know that the tag team titles are going to be on the line. Uh, Roman Reigns uh, apparently is going to be defending the Intercontinental title as well. But before Angle can announce his opponent, here comes Jason Jordan, who wants the match with Reigns, who is all upset about people claiming he has a knee injury and he's faking it and all these other things and sort of pleads with Angle that he just needs a chance to show that that he can do it, uh, uh, that he can win. However, Roman comes out, he wants Samoa Joe, um, and then tells Jordan he shouldn't keep running to daddy if he wants a chance, he should just step up and take it. And this leads to some posturing and back and forth between those guys before Samoa Joe shows up. His patience is wearing out, which surprises me because I'm pretty sure Samoa Joe has zero patience uh, <laughs> and accepts the challenge. However, he's going to give Reigns five seconds to take it back and maybe rethink his life choices here a little bit. And uh, Jordan says, you know what? I'll have to attack people from behind. I'll fight you, Joe, uh, if, if Roman's not going to. Uh, Jordan suplexes Reigns and uh, sort of is all fired up after this and Angle has gives him a talking to and says, you know what, if Joe's going to have to wait because Kurt, because uh, Jason, you're going to get your match with Roman right now. And this is a doozy. Uh, first of all, it's 20 minutes. It's got two commercial breaks eating up some time during it. But I feel like them going along sort of made it feel like it didn't really chop it up all that much. It felt like you got all the action you needed to see. Roman Reigns, of course, retains here, uh, counters a suplex, Superman punch, spear, He's still your IC champion. This was a good match. I just don't... I don't think people are really interested at all in Jason Jordan anymore. I don't even know if the heel turn that you and me have been talking about since they started this whole angle is really going to do anything for him either. But I got to give him props. Jordan is at least showing you, as far as the ring work goes, he is pretty gosh darn good. 
Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And so when we talk maybe a little negative here and there uh, about Jason Jordan, it really is about the the persona and not only that, some of the microphone work. It's not really honestly about his athleticism, about the stuff that he can do in the ring. All that is pretty well polished. But this is the same argument that Vince says that Finn Balor is bland, right? Yeah. He's a great worker in the ring, does everything he needs to do. But, oh, you know, Vince doesn't like him on the microphone, kind of feels like he's – and I think the audience thinks exactly that about Jason Jordan, even if Vince doesn't. So uh, that that truly kind of comes up and, and brings some question marks, I think, for the future for Jason Jordan, for that heel turn that you just mentioned. I, I'm at that point, too, right now where I don't know if I honestly care. Mm-hmm. This beginning – this whole setup, you know, with, you know, Jason Jordan involved and getting, you know, Roman out there, getting Samoa Joe. I, I just mentioned two names I love. And one name is that super vanilla that I just don't have any feelings towards at all, really, to be honest with you. I, I think it's like, you know, getting your favorite ice cream, but it's a little bit melted and and it kind of bums you out a little bit because you're like, this could be a lot better. And I think that's the same way with it. I love Samoa Joe and I'm not in love with Roman Reigns, but at least it's a big name. And I think it's a matchup. that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And then you throw in Jason Jordan, just don't care. So I think that beginning segment didn't really set well with me. I just didn't have the emotion I wanted to have out of it. It is what it is. The the match itself though, you were right. I, I think that they, pulled it out long enough where we really felt like we got something of substance, something that we felt like, Jason Jordan, you matter. You actually do have some relevance here. Otherwise, I would really be down on this. I really would, Paul. I would be down on this first match, but they made it feel like Jason Jordan belonged in the ring, so I can't complain. What am I going to complain about? Jason Jordan at least gets those props, but still not any of the others. You know, and I certainly, with as much damage as you could say has been done to the character running through the babyface side of this story, um, it, I, it, it's going to take a lot, and it's going to take a long time with this heel turn, and it's going to take some big angles, I think, to try to get people on side with what Jordan's doing here outside of the ring. Inside the ring, you're right, Jordan gets a ton in here. He looks absolutely like he can go toe-to-toe with Roman uh, before the knee injury uh, that he may or may not have, we don't know, uh, but Rain certainly does make a focus of working on it, uh, eventually does him in, uh, and it's, it's great storytelling in the ring, uh, and, and to sort of push along to, to my next point here, we kind of have to progress through the show, so, here in the post-match, Samoa Joe hits the ring, absolutely annihilates Roman, Jordan, however, suplexes him, sort of saving Reigns from his beatdown, however, he gets a Superman punch for his troubles, so as Stephanie is yelling at Kurt on the phone backstage after a commercial break there, uh, Jordan shows up and wants to face Samoa Joe tonight, and Roman Reigns again next week uh, and pulls the dad card again and keeps saying he just needs the opportunities, the fair shots. Kurt says he'll think about it. Joe doesn't waste any time, though. He shows up and just beats the crap out of Jordan again, yells at Kurt Angle some, and to me, I think this is a great way to sort of move stuff along, right? Because I think during what what they're trying to do here is it's very clear Roman Reigns to Mojo collision course for the Intercontinental title somewhere down the line. Uh, whether that's at the Rumble, whether it's uh, at the Raw pay-per-view before WrestleMania, whatever's going to happen, a Raw, um, 
I, it looks pretty clear that Joe is going to get the IC title. However, you're going to throw a monkey wrench into the plans now with Jason Jordan sort of playing third wheel here, which I like because now you're you're if you're going to turn uh, and maybe Joe doesn't need to turn, but if he, if you're going to turn Jordan heel, Joe's still going to get cheered in all this. Uh, and, and I think that's going to work very well because Joe is very strong in his standing. I think with the live audience, just because. Of what he does, whether he's good guy or bad guy, doesn't really matter. He's just here to beat the crap out of people, and everybody loves that. Uh, they do. I love it. I mean, I'm a huge Samoa Joe fan, and I have no problem with that. But you know, I, I maybe we agree to disagree. I don't know. I, I, I'm a little bit on the fence on Jason Jordan still being involved in this whole thing, and I think you're right. There is probably some building here that's going to take place for Samoa Joe and Roman Reigns to do their thing to actually have their match. But now this could be something to kind of hesitate it, to kind of slow it down because maybe it's going to be stretched out for a little bit longer. And then I, I guess that's okay. And they'll probably prove me wrong. Maybe some of my fears and some of my discretions and all that stuff that I have. But I, I look at this and, and say to myself, really, what does Jason Jordan add? And it's not a whole lot, but you know, storytelling will have to continue. Things will have to kind of, mold itself into place for me to understand at this point right now i'm just not thrilled about it in fact i think jason jordan to me kind of makes kurt angle feel like he's not that important to me and he's had flashes where i feel like we've seen kurt angle dgm Mm -hmm. and every time jason jordan walks in the room i feel like i see kurt angle the kind of gm the kind of bland person i don't want to see i I don't know really how to maybe spell it out or talk about it the right way to express my feelings about it but i just think that jason jordan kind of takes the sales out of what kurt angle should be able to do as gm so saying all that does he do the same to this matchup maybe not but i I just not on the jason jordan train and i i want to see samoa joe and do well and if that's what happens to make samoa joe do well i'm game you know, uh, and I, I don't obviously want to stay on this too long, but, I, I mean, isn't that kind of the point of what Jordan's doing now, is throwing a wrench into his dad being effective in his role? Like, he's he's placating to him, he wants him to succeed, and Kurt obviously feels guilty for not knowing he existed for all these years, and he's trying to make it up to him this way. Uh, so I I feel like that's the tension right now as, as we're building up to whatever this is going to be down the road. And for Joe to be involved in this as well as the Intercontinental title, I feel like, uh, one, it plays into the history that Kurt and Joe have, obviously, if, if you've watched TNA, uh, and, and don't get me wrong, I don't blame you if you haven't, uh, but there's a lot of history between those guys there, uh, and some of the audience is going to know that and recognize that as this carries over, and maybe they'll address it on screen, maybe they won't, it doesn't really matter, um, because we'll put the pieces together, but I... I feel like this is a really smart way to sort of go about it because, you know, Joe is over. Like I said, he has a relationship with Kurt. You throw all that in with Jordan, who's trying to muck up the works. And I think you have a pretty decent story on your hands just from the pieces before you start putting it together. You know what? And like I said, if it works out that way, that that's the way I want to see it. I think it's maybe not the fact that this is terrible. I think it's for the fact that I get kind of annoyed. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I may be taking away something that a lot of the audience isn't. I, I'm taking more of I'm getting annoyed by Kurt Angle and Jason Jordan just through this whole process. Where a lot of other people may see that point where you're right. There, this is a big monkey wrench thrown into the whole plan and and everything that's going on for Kurt Angle and all that stuff. And, and you're right. That history between Kurt Angle and Samoa Joe was great mm-hmm. back in the day. And if people remember that, that they hey, you have a lot more now invested in this than other people just now seeing this whole thing take place. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like I said, I'm all game. Let it be if Samoa Joe comes out of this looking really awesome. If not, I, I kind of throw this whole thing away and just kind of feel like I waste of time. Mm-hmm. Right on. Okay. Uh, so we'll, we'll fast forward to the very end of the evening to the main event, to the Raw Tag Team title matches, Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose Challenge the bar for those championships and the match is running at the usual great pace that these guys have lots of back and forth everybody getting a chance Sheamus ends up getting disqualified however for taking his beating on uh I believe Seth way too far the referee calls the match off however here comes Kurt Angle to restart the matches in ODQ uh everybody are the shield boys start running wild here uh they almost get the near fall however Samoa Joe shows up and attacks, uh, helping the champions. Here comes Roman to even the odds and chases Joe off. Sheamus, however, in the confusion, hits a bro kick to get the victory and retain the championships. So it looks like we're heading towards six-man territory. This is all going to keep on rolling forward. Uh, but I like this. It, it was You get your usual good match out of these two teams. You're setting up something for next week. Uh, I mean, I... The Shield and the Bar obviously has been quite done to death at this point, even though they keep producing great stuff, and I I really don't have a problem with it. It's just not as fresh. Injecting Samoa Joe makes this interesting, uh, and and sort of keeping all this rolling on towards whatever final goal we're going to get before we start getting into WrestleMania build-up. It makes this for a really fun main event. It makes it for a great closing segment. I didn't have a problem with any of this. I really didn't either, and uh, this is where you know I really am happy for what they kind of gave us a little bit earlier in this show, some of the tension that took place between Joe and Reigns, and, and it kind of really did transfer over pretty well to me. It really <laughs> did here, and uh, for the fact that really Roman Reigns didn't get a ton of payoff. He got a little bit, but not enough because in the end, uh, guess what? Samoa Joe made what he wanted happen and that is the shield to get screwed over basically roman reigns gets screwed over right by hurting his team so uh you know so you're right these guys the bar the shield they just I mean they work well together but this has been over and over and over and over and none of us are really ha- extremely hating it or anything it, mm-hmm. it is just kind of it's wearing on you a little bit, to be honest with you. This is kind of what they do in Monday Night Raw. They kind of do the same thing about 60 times and then think about moving on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. So uh, I look at this as something, though, that really does matter in the end. I think it has built here. I love the idea of having a six-man team, Shield versus Barr and Samoa Joe, right? I think that works out well. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed when I saw The Miz up with the bar. I think that worked out well. So I think Samoa Joe is another great addition just to, just to kind of make this thing work out, you know, and uh, for a great match. So I think that's something we have lots to look forward to. Kurt Angle is going to look kind of like the bad guy here in a way because not not totally to the fans, but he kind of screws up in a way because he makes an ODQ and it 
blows up in his face, mm-hmm. you know, because of Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe just made Kurt Angle look bad, which makes the whole Jason Jordan stuff kind of come into play. All that stuff will it, it all all come and fall into place. So I, I think a lot of this makes me walk away from this whole picture of saying there's a lot of good things. There's not a, a lot of bad things. That makes me very happy, and it makes Raw look like uh, you know their main storyline is something that actually matters. There's times mm-hmm. when we walk away with the main storyline of Raw kind of making us go ho-hum, and we kind of depend on the undercard sometimes because, well. But now this is one I, I, I'm, ex- I'm actually kind of excited about it, Paul. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you entirely. And to sort of, I guess, loop on back around, uh, you have the drifter backstage with Kurt Angle earlier in the show. He wants another shot at Reigns, too, and sort of gets on to Kurt for showing favoritism to, to Jason Jordan. Uh, and says that his bias to him will be his downfall, uh, and Kurt's going to try to find him opponent uh, later on in the evening. So as the Drifter is singing, usually you know what special opponent means at this point on Raw. It means Braun's going to kill you, and that's exactly what happens. (laughs) (laughs) You're right, that's exactly what happens, but let me say this. You you just heard me criticize Kurt Angle for being in the room with Jason Jordan. He kind of takes the sales out of Kurt Angle. Then when you have Kurt Angle by himself and he's being told by someone else, hey, your son is taking advantage of you and you're allowing it and you're screwing us over because of your favoritism, it it, it fires up Kurt Angle. And so mm-hmm. that's where you get a chance to get that sneak peek of what's happening, the rumble under the Raw roster. I, I really do like that, Paul. Mm-hmm. I think it does matter. It makes it feel like what we're going to get in the future, whatever it may be, Angle and his son, it's going to be an interesting thing, and this rumble feels really good, especially when you got guys like Elias able to play off it. See, what they did here was use that storyline to make Elias an even stronger heel. Mm-hmm. He looks like a complete jerk. Yeah, absolutely. That. Uh, and, and I think that made Elias look really well uh, in that vein. So good job on them for that. And, yes, hey, Braun Strowman, he did what he did. You know, took out Elias. Sorry, Elias. Hey, you shouldn't have talked back to the uh, GM. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Kane's music hits after the beatdown or before it's almost done and says uh, and challenges Braun to a match next week where only one monster will be left standing, um, which is fine, right? Hopefully Braun kills Kane. That's the end of it, and Kane can stop squashing people I give a shit about. So <laughs> Yeah. You know, when I heard the Kane music, I just had a groan. I'm going to be mm-hmm. very honest with you. I just groan. And, and I hate that because I really like Kane. Well, the Kane I used to know, I think, more than what I'm seeing now. Right. And it's just kind of a bummer for me, but I really do. I hope everything goes just the way you're saying. Braun Strowman beats him down. We get Kane out of the picture or doing something else selling Mm -hmm. t-shirts or something please do something (laughs) else you know there's a fire sale here at wb christmas (laughs) that's what i want to see i don't want to see him in a match so let's make that happen right give me an inferno on those sales guys please why not i I gotta you know i gotta buy some christmas presents you know anyway uh (laughs) so uh but, you know, in, in the end, let's just make that happen. Heck, I even started setting my DVR for the week while that music and listening to that promo because I didn't need to see Kane. I don't yeah. need to see his face while. So it just kind of shows you where we're at on that stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and then cutting to people I care about is Finn Balor, who's taking on Bo Dallas. And it, what probably should have been a two, three-minute squash ends up going about six minutes. 
Bo gets to look competitive before uh, Finn finally kills him with a double stomp. This is kind of a tough one, right? Because Bo and Curtis haven't really been made to look like much of anything. And while certainly Finn has had uh, his downstrokes in the last month, I don't know maybe if the outright squash was the right call here because I do... I do want Finn to be successful, and maybe this should have been a squash, and my feelings are just kind of misconstrued here. But Bo Bo and Axel should be made to look like they matter a little bit. (laughs) I I know they're Ms. Lackeys, but for them to move on, or at least appear competitive if they ever want to do tag stuff with them, like, you got to have them matter at some point. And maybe this isn't the right time, but... I. I don't know if I'm altogether upset at this other than maybe it should have been shorter. It's not the right time and it's not the right person. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe it's the right time, just not the right person. Maybe that's the way I should say it. I I, I agree with you wholeheartedly on Axel and Bo Dallas need that opportunity to look strong, especially if we're going to depend on them by themselves without the Miz because, like I said, maybe last week or the week before, mm-hmm. the Miz is what makes them. They they don't do a great job of the mic by themselves. They don't do anything overly impressive by themselves. And if you can show me that they can, that's when I'll jump on board. That's when I'll get excited. Because I, trust me, there was a time when I was really behind Bo Dallas, and I, I like Curtis Axel. I beg for Curtis Axel to have an opportunity because of his dad, to be honest with you, because I want the Henning heritage to to continue mm-hmm. and i want it to great, and I want it to be something special. And I, and I root for Kurt, uh, his son, you know. Curtis Axel is just a you know a little bit less entertaining maybe, but he's still a guy that I want to do well in this business. The same with Bo Dallas. So fine, fine, do that. Not against Finn Balor. Not I just don't think Finn Balor deserves this. I really do feel like he deserves a better platform. They're just not interested in doing that with him. And, and where does that put Finn Balor? How are we ever going to believe that Finn Balor is going to be strong and do anything? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. You showed me the demon. The demon was this all-encompassing great character. And then when he goes back to Finn Balor, I mean, is that the point? That Finn Balor is weak and then only the demon is strong? I don't like that idea. It doesn't work. I'll be honest with you. The whole time I watched that match, Paul, I kept thinking, if I was Finn right now, I'd be like, oh, Japan, I miss you. Uh, Yeah. There are times where I wonder if he thinks that, too. Um, Because... And admittedly, I mean, Finn got WWE's attention working as a heel, uh, doing the real rock and roller thing with the Bullet Club and all that great stuff. And they carried part of the gimmick over with, with the with the painting and everything like that. But I I don't know if they have any interest in him as a babyface, despite the fact that I think he's super effective at it. You just have to let him be cool. And they have seemingly no interest in letting him be that cool. Uh, (laughs) uh, And they only really have investment, I think, in the demon thing because it gets a huge pop and the production and all that great stuff is is totally WWE. And they just, I don't think they get half of the equation. They get one half of it for sure. The, The demon feels really cool every time they do it. I don't have a problem with that. It's just that's what it feels like everything is building up to every time he feuds with somebody. That shouldn't be how it is. That shouldn't be how it is at all. Yeah, I know it shouldn't. And mm-hmm. in my personal opinion, they have 
how, how should how do you say this? they have put the WWE stamp on him too much mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They, they have really overdone it i think to get rid of the smell of japan i really feel that way they've wanted to kind of make you think of him in a different light kind of mm-hmm. force you to kind of feel like this guy was always a WWE guy who japan what and that's not the truth and not only that the the, the the whole jacket thing, uh, that is a distraction from every time I see his entrance. I don't think it's cool at all. It's almost like a guy that, he, you know, this jacket doesn't fit. I got to I gotta make sure it fits. That's what it looks like every time he's doing the whole pulling the jacket thing. It looks just silly to me. I wish he just came out, used the lights, used the music. It all works out. Just let him come out and look good. Let, let him look strong. And then let him go in these matches and do what he needs to do. And turning heel, I don't think it's a bad idea. I'm sure WD doesn't want to do that because he is a decent-looking guy, and the ladies do like him, and they probably want to see him on posters. But you've got to use this guy to his best ability. And right now, they're not. It, mm-hmm. it, it's you know, it's kind of like putting a, a, a top star on the bench and they're not really benching him, but they're definitely not using him at, at his full potential. So we'll see. I, I just, I'm really bummed out right now. And all three of the guys we just talked about really want to see do well. I wonder if the thinking in WWE is if they turn him heel, that suddenly the expectation is going to be him teaming up with Gallus and Anderson, Balor club stuff, all that. And that's what people are going to expect. And maybe that's something they want to save for maybe post-WrestleMania stuff. Uh, so maybe it's one of those tear them down to rebuild them back up as something else is what they're they're sort of at right now. It just, it really sucks to see them do that with somebody who has all the potential in the world to be a top guy for them if they really want him to be. Yeah, and I think we're going to talk about another guy that's going to have to deal with that a little bit too um, later on in the show that we may be getting a spark for. And you know what? I, I'm That makes me hopeful. Mm-hmm. I know it sucks. That's a terrible thing, but it, I, at least it makes me hopeful because I really do feel like him being a heel with Gallows and Anderson, that's a faction that mm-hmm. could be very, very dangerous. Yeah, and in and post-WrestleMania, things go the way WWE wants them to, uh, unless they're going to break up the Shield before that or, or whatever. It, it gives you an easy faction for everybody in the Shield to feud with, assuming the, the penciled-in Roman Brock thing goes the way they want it to, so... Mm-hmm. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, so before we dive into the rest of the good stuff on this show, um, the the Cruiserweights uh, have their other contender match here. They get another 12 minutes, which I really liked. You have Cedric taking on Mustafa Ali, Drew Gulak, and Tony Nese. Uh, and in some ways, I was kind of hoping Cedric was going to win this, and maybe you see, because him and Rich Swan have been super successful together as a team, and I would not have minded watching them go head-to-head in a match to give them both an opportunity to sort of try to make themselves uh, here on Raw. But they, they, they still get 12 minutes. They get a ton of time. Everybody, I think, still gets to look good. Drew Gulak ends up stealing the win uh, from Cedric, essentially, to steal the pin after he hits a lumbar check on Mustafa Ali, which is great for Gulak. I mean, he's been wonderful on 205. And I... I really hope this isn't just a one-off thing for them. I really hope the Cruiserweights sort of continue to get this sort of spotlight going forward. Because I I think this is the stuff that's going to make people care. It, it, they're, they're a feature now. They're not just filler, you know? Yeah, I know. It's very much the truth. And this has been a great couple of weeks for the Cruiserweights, right? Mm-hmm. I think this match was a lot of fun to watch. Once again, very entertaining. They used a lot of their athleticism. They kind of showed you the best of each guy. Yeah. 
I, I think each of these guys shine for their own thing and at their own ability. And I'm, I mean, I'm really, really down with that and excite you to see what these guys can do. And, and then, of course, you get some of the storylines involved and noticing that, you know, there's two guys and two guys that are both, you know, on the same page, mm-hmm. but yet they're not on the same page when it comes to the goal. And that's winning this match. So, of course, I love, you know, you have the no fly zone stuff coming to this match i love the fact that he kind of played on that and i also like the fact that you know it kind of slowed things down for tony niece because he was kind of doing pretty well in a minute there and then you know having to sit here and listen to one of his you know faction buddies kind of threw things off a little bit mm-hmm. and then of course you have the ali and alexander kind of mix up there right because yeah. of, you know they're both wanting to win this match so i like to see a little fire burning under these people that are usually on the same page because now we can see that later on they're not going to be on the same page i I think really good stuff here really happy to see it and and i'm right with you i I like gulak and i i think that's you know he's a fine winner i was still i'll be honest with you wanted to see cedric win only because swan alexander boy wouldn't that have been a lot of fun to see but yeah yeah but they're probably saving it they're they're probably because i'll be honest with you Whatever happens here, I really don't think that Gulak's going to make that match against Enzo. And if they do it, he's the kind of guy that I could see laying down. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe so. Uh, I, I certainly would love him to, like, sort of, maybe they play it off like a joke and have him lull Enzo to sleep with a PowerPoint presentation and then roll him up to get the victory. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> that would be beautiful. Uh, I, I would love that, uh, just because, you know, it plays into everything Drew's been doing over on 205 and, and obviously on Raw here where he tries to do a PowerPoint presentation in the post-match, uh, but they, the people in the back play his music and trying to get, like, play him off like he's at the Oscars, which I thought was kind of funny, so. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of funny. Uh, and before we get to the, the women's portion of the show, which we'll use to finish up the episode as we have the last couple of weeks, uh... This is probably the biggest topic coming out of this episode as we get highlights of Matt Hardy breaking in the ring. Uh, there was that, if you follow him on Twitter or Instagram or, or WWE's YouTube page or anything like that, you get to see uh, Matt request Senior Benjamin to go retrieve his battle jacket, which is, of course, that big red coat that he wore throughout his tenure as Broken Matt Hardy over in the, in the Impact Zone, which I thought was wonderful. And then you get this sort of dueling promo here between Matt and Bray, uh, where Matt sort of gets to spell out what what's sort of been happening to him since he became uh, unbroken here in the WWE and has since become woken. Uh, his soul was wandering through time and space, going seemingly through his past lives throughout the multiverse as he danced with Cleopatra and held symposiums with Plato and due, of course, to his dormant condition, uh, he is finally awoken as, as this new person and Bray says his fire has only continued to grow stronger and is going to make sure that it is going to burn everyone in sight. And so Matt, uh, being the defender that he seems to be right now, sentences Bray to deletion and we get the giant delete chance, which I thought was wonderful. Uh, and, and I guess maybe just to, to steal a term from Matt, this was delightful. Mr. Gary Vaughn. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so, you know, we were talking pre-show about this, and, and yeah. you know, I, I had my mixed emotions about this. And mm-hmm. the only reason I have my mixed emotions is for the fact that I don't know that I love 
the first uh, real appearance of Broken, Woken, Matt Hardy, whatever we're going to call it, to be in a video package. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I'm sold on that. I really wish we could have seen it live in the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, and secondly, if it wasn't going to be in the ring, be through some other circumstances where it wasn't a video package that was split between Bray Wyatt and Matt, you know, whatever. I just, I feel like that kind of took away from what it really could have been. And Maybe you disagree with that. I don't know, but and maybe other people do too. But I just I wish there was a more centered focus on him, on Matt, on this whole thing. And the other thing, I, I kind of wish this was more built. And I that maybe I'm crazy on this, but for this to take place, I think it needed to be kind of like they did in Impact, where this was a weekly occasion where he started to go crazier and crazier and crazier. I wanted to see that. I wanted Bray to knock it into him. Mm-hmm. And that's not what happened here. So do I care about Bray Wyatt versus Matt Hardy now because of this little video package? No, I don't. I I, I I do love the idea of the deletion. I love the idea of Woken Matt Hardy, Broken Matt Hardy. I just don't now have any feelings about Bray Wyatt in this. He, to me, is setting up to lose. And that's none. that's not out of the norm. So mm-hmm. I, I, I want to be excited about this. I really do. I thought about this for a long time, Paul, and I've been talking about this. But they fast-forwarded it, and now I, I just don't have any excitement for the payoff. You know, uh, I, I will give you that maybe you want to see the build-up to him breaking across uh, multiple weeks before we finally get this. But realistically, they kind of have without actually doing it due to, the, obviously, all the, the lawsuit stuff and copyright searches between both Anthem and Matt Hardy and, and all that great stuff. Or great stuff. All, all that legal junk, you know. Uh he he's had moments where you know he'll get beat on real bad and suddenly he's like in that place uh, and I hate to use that term because it makes me think of Randy Orton thinks Michael Cole but <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know it, it sort of makes him flash back to that old persona that he's been wanting to use uh, basically over these last eight months and like uh, there's what, I think it was during the summer when he got busted open during a tag match uh, for, he's bleeding from the mouth and he's sort of like. His eyes are sort of wobbling around like he's he's sort of going manic like uh, like Broken Matt Hardy did. And I think there's been really small things that uh, building up to this, it, it, it makes sense if you've paid attention to that or if you know what you're looking for. Uh, now, if you're a casual fan, one week you have regular Matt Hardy and suddenly now he's this crazy new person. Maybe that's very jarring for them and, and that's... That's a problem, obviously, because that's the casual audience is sort of who they focus on, and that's who they want to keep around and, and grow the the grow their fan base that way. So maybe this isn't the best way to go about it for them. And I also wonder if maybe them doing it in a video package is sort of trying to prepare you for how they're going to present uh, Woken Matt Hardy going into the future, because there's so much as much as they did do out in the ring. Uh, and, and at the arena for Broken Matt Hardy during his Impact days, there was certainly a lot of post-production, there was certainly a lot of video packages that sort of helped produce the character to to move him forward, and I wonder if this is sort of them trying to get you used to that fact that maybe you're going to get a lot of these things going forward to move Matt Hardy forward like you did in Impact. 
you know what, and and that is a good point. It really, to me, it is something that really shined over those year, what a year um, mm-hmm. of broken universe uh, that they had an impact. And yeah. you're exactly right. I love all the the whole video packages of them at the Hardy compound, at the zoo, or whatever you want to say. And, and which wasn't the zoo; it was apparently like part of the compound. Talking to the giraffe, calling it <laughs> was George Washington or whatever it was. I if, forget. I, I think so. <laughs> yeah, all the different people. So anyway, and I love the spot monkeys. Yes. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but you bring up a point, and I think that's why I'm on this platform right now. This is why I'm standing on the table mm-hmm. arguing my point. Is yes, the casuals is that audience that i'm fighting for uh, yes i get it i've seen all those flashes we've talked about it week in and week out right, right? i mean right. this is something that's not new but i i feel like that casual audience needs to buy into this because i think it is something special that they don't know what they're missing mm-hmm. and they will miss it if they don't get behind it because trust me vince will pull the rug out from underneath this if he doesn't feel any momentum because what never his idea he's doing it because the internet says it's a good idea and he sees a little bit of cash flow that could be made here i if if the money doesn't start rolling in for it if the people aren't behind it sure the deletion chance are great we've got to have a lot more backing for this and so i want those casual fans to come in and thinking oh my god i can't wait i gotta go to the merch stand i gotta buy my woken matt hardy shirt i gotta do all this that's the stuff to keep vince on this train and that's what i want that's why i'm arguing for the point i needed a bigger build that's okay. Mm-hmm. If they do what you're saying and they have more video packages, we get a chance to see some of those quirky things that Matt did. That's awesome. Let's just hope they keep building this because it does need to be built. It needs to be something where people can get behind it. It needs to be on the internet when it comes to the the masses. I, what I mean by that is just like we saw with the Great War. Wasn't mm-hmm. it the Great War? Uh, Final deletion, all Final that deletion. stuff. Yeah. yeah. The final deletion. Remember how that became such a big thing? Mm-hmm. That was all over the internet, not yeah. just wrestling fans. People from all over were watching the uh, the final deletion, uh, and that to me needs to be something WB works hard to do. And you know, even if you have to make a few phone calls to you know Jeremy Borash, make it happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, this is certainly so. It's first of all, this is very typical WWE in in the last ten years of. Very much just launching right into a new direction with somebody, not giving you a whole ton to build up with, and just sink or swim, right? As you were just saying, if people make a reaction, if they if they make a lot of noise, if they if they spend their money for it, if if ratings go up, then obviously it's it's going to be considered success, and they'll keep rolling with it and all that great stuff. And while that hasn't really stopped some acts before, it's not exactly the strongest way I think you want to present. This because this is very different from what people usually know Matt Hardy for in the WWE, and so uh, I, I just I have hope for the character because I thought this was wonderful, and maybe Bray. I wish Bray was stronger, obviously at the moment, um, because I think this is one of the biggest feuds that they could have done for the broken character, uh, especially if Wyatt saw it. the Wyatt family and all that great stuff sort of sort of surrounding him still, but he doesn't. I. <sighs> It, it it's the right feud because obviously if you're going to build this, uh, Matt needs to go over and, and Bray is certainly not doing much right now, despite the fact that he was WWE world heavyweight champion earlier this year. Uh, it just, 
I have I have hopes, and, and I, I guess mm-hmm. I don't want to dim them. <laughs> no, and and I hey, I'm with you. I'm gonna mm-hmm. hope all day and wish in the other. <laughs> yeah, right. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> trust me, I'm not gonna crap on this. But uh, I, I look at this and say to myself, okay, what does the casual fan want? What are they expecting out of this? Well, mm-hmm. nothing. All they expect is a crazy man, and that's what they're seeing. They're seeing two nut jobs right now. Right. And that's a good deal. They're kind of seeing the clash of the insane asylum, and that's mm-hmm. that's that's fine. That could get people to tune in. The one thing I, I want to kind of think about as well, leading you know into this, and maybe even the thought process coming out of this match, you saw in that tweet. The tweet was he's going to build uh, basically an army or build you know that platoon mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. people to follow him. Well, you know, we all expect Jeff to be one of those guys when he gets back, but that's a long time from now. Do you see any anticipation of some p- other people actually joining Matt in this army? Or do you think this is a situation where he defeats Bray Wyatt, but brings Bray Wyatt into not not into like you know his own version of the family but brings him on board to the hey we're both nuts let's just work together Uh, you know that i guess sort of depends on what they want to do here because bray in his whole tenure on the even in developmental he's been the leader right he's not a follower he's the guy who wants to show people the way to to wherever they're going to go follow the buzzards and all that right so uh I don't necessarily think it could happen. I, I certainly wouldn't put it past WWE to maybe see that and pair them up and and all that. But I don't, I don't see it happening. Now I could see them maybe getting some new people for Bray to reform the family uh, because this could be what the Great War is, right? He's trying to uh, eliminate chaos and all this other stuff, and that's certainly Bray Wyatt's jam. So um, we'll just have to wait and see there. But I certainly. I don't mind the fact that if they're going to bring people in for him to form a new broken universe around with a bunch of people, whether they be from NXT or, or whatnot, how they go about doing it, I think is going to be the more interesting part rather than who it's going to be, you know? Yeah. You know, you bring up a good point and, uh, Let's be honest. They could still reform the family if they really want to. Right. Right. They, they really Luke and, you know, um, What's his name? I can't even... Rowan. Yeah. Rowan and, and Harper are really not doing anything. They're really not. I'm sorry. I do, whatever the brother... But that's just a terrible gimmick. So they can make their family <laughs> happen again. And not only that, this goes back to history. Remember all the tweets about, mm-hmm. you know, this actually happening? Remember? So that could be awesome to actually see it take place. Right. I, I, I want to see it happen. So let's see what happens. I'm really excited about what could be, but I'm, I hope, I'm hoping a lot. Yeah, I, and I think a lot of stuff's going to have to fall into line, but they have they have a lot of creative forces here just on screen because I think both Bray and and Matt have a lot of input as far as what their characters go about doing. Uh, and I, at times, WWE has shown confidence in that with Bray uh, going forward. So hopefully they put that into Matt, they put it into Bray again, and we can get something uh, absolutely delightful that will please the seven deities, Gary. Marvelous. <laughs> Uh, so the last thing we have to talk about here is the ladies. As we continue on with the the absolution story, uh, we get a video package of Paige and uh, Sonia Deville and Mandy Rose's Path of Destruction since they made their hot debut a couple weeks ago, and then we get Paige taking on Sasha Banks and uh, what some might have termed a dream match. Uh, they get about fifteen minutes or so. 
They do a lot of back and forth. I thought they showed a lot of sparks of chemistry. And it didn't feel like they gave away the farm, which I also really, really appreciate. Uh, And Paige ends up getting the victory here uh, without any help, which I I think is also pretty nice here as far as the finish goes. Uh, Kicks her in the face. Rampage is all she wrote. Paige building a strong case to, to challenge for that women's championship very quickly. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the great thing about this is she just comes in not looking rusty, not looking like she doesn't really belong there, right? Yeah. And, I mean, it's obvious. She's had training. She's been doing, you know, uh, probably a lot of dark matches within, you know, the Performance Center and things like that to get back into action, to get trained back up. And it looks like they did a great job. So mm-hmm. I'm really, really happy for the performance coming back, first match back, you know, official first match back. Uh, and, you know, I think this was a good matchup. I really do. Sasha Banks is supposedly one of the top women in the Raw. And, you know, I think they both got a chance to shine here. But <clears throat> the most important thing is, is that Paige looks like the dominant one. At, and that's because the faction she's built, Absolution, is dominant. They yeah. are running a Raw. Now, you could make the argument for what we're going to talk about in a minute here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, uh, right now they are dominating everyone and they're scaring the heck out of Alexa bliss the champion who's of course out there on commentary i forgot to mention too so uh mm-hmm. yeah and obviously they've sent her running a couple times and all this uh other things too uh and she sort of stands by too as absolution puts the beat down on sasha and mickey james and bailey uh who uh came out uh to sort of try to make the save uh before that sort of ends up in into absolution continuing to look strong uh, and, and before we move on to the last little bit here, we have Nia Jax backstage after Enzo, uh, is done trying to rally up the troops for the cruiserweight match, and she seems to be into Enzo Amore, Gary, and I was scratching my head the entire time. H- how does this happen? <laughs> <clears throat> I, I have those same questions. I'll, I'll make a, a quick point here on our W2Mnet.com wrestling section. We have a tweet. And our tweet, uh, a chat, whatever you want, Facebook. We kind of talk during Raw, all the big wrestling events. We have this big staff kind of chat there. Mm-hmm. And in the past, I made the joke because, you know, Liz, uh, of course, go check her out on SmackDown Live and 205 Live, made a comment about some one of the wrestlers being considered one of the sexiest. And I was joking and said Enzo. And she says, there's still, there is people out there that find him attractive. And I kind of thought that was abrasive and very fearful. Uh, but apparently. <laughs> Uh, that that actually is coming to fruition, and it's Nia Jax. So hey, you know who knows? But uh, I I I do kind of scratch my head too. Uh, I think there's a lot of other guys on the roster that you know would be appealing. But hey, if you're into the little short Italian guy, that's that's cool. That's you know, hopefully he's not soft. You know, you may get disappointed. <laughs> Just saying, I mean, it, that that could be the case. But anyway, hey, great Nia, you know, and Enzo, congratulations. I, I'm curious, too, now, because obviously the women's division here on Raw has sort of been taken over by Absolution and their need to look strong and powerful and all this other things, which, which is important, right? You have all these new faces that you're introducing, plus trying to make Paige back into what she was. And that doesn't really leave a lot of room for Nia to stick around killing people. Is she going to start... I mean, is the plan here to have her start squashing cruiserweights for Enzo? I mean, 
That's a very <laughs> real possibility. <laughs> My God. Oh, Paul. So she's going to be China, just 205 Live China. Maybe so. <laughs> Oh God! Um, yeah, I mean, it's it, I, hey, I'm not gonna lie. It crossed my mind. It actually <laughs> did, and I thought, is this really where we're going? Remember, Sasha Banks went to 205 when she wasn't doing so hot on Raw. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe that's the case. We've seen Alicia Fox over there on 205. It just okay. So it breaks that barrier that we kind of said was broken on SmackDown not long ago. You know, we had Becky Lynch take on James Ellsworth, and we thought that was kind of a interesting fact that because usually that doesn't happen to WWE. Yeah, maybe that does take place. Maybe we have a you know a Nia Jax come in and basically throw around the little cruiserweights and make a point, and mm-hmm. that's fine and dandy. But is that going to do anything for Nia Jax in the long run? No, this is just a sideshow. If anything, all it does is make her feel like that she's a part of something, but nothing big. And you wanted her to actually go see her win a women's championship match. You don't want to see her doing that. And maybe it's entertaining. Maybe it's a lot better than I'm thinking it is. But I just see it as a sideshow. I I agree with you entirely. I don't know if this is going to go the way WWE thinks it is or if they think that maybe having her... You know, squash cruiserweights is going to keep her feeling strong and fresh before they switch her back to the women's division uh, with the championship around or or what have you. So uh, that that is certainly going to be something to keep eyes on moving forward. Really quickly, I'm not going to keep on to this. Uh, I, I think this also may be a holding pattern until they yeah. trade her to SmackDown. That that could be what we're seeing here. So it's a very real possibility there too. Uh, and also, I mean, we don't know how long the Absolution story is going to go, if there is going to be a Women's Royal Rumble, how much all of that is going to feed into this uh, moving towards WrestleMania there as well. So maybe it's just a holding pattern as well to keep her squashing cruiserweights until post-WrestleMania when they have to sort of sort out new plans for whatever they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, back on the Absolution train, though, you have Asuka murder Alicia Fox in about two minutes or so. Uh, in the post-match, Absolution reappears, Asuka bails out of the ring, and Paige comes in uh, to tell Alicia Fox to sort of relax. She's not here to hurt her. They're friends. We were we were close uh, when I was here the first time around. I love you, Alicia. However, Sonia and Mandy don't feel the same way, and they end up beating the crap out of Alicia Fox to stand tall uh, at the end of the evening for the women's segments here, so... This this is kind of a curious situation. Uh, <laughs> I obviously Alicia and Paige are, are friends uh, in real life as well, uh, which you can you see on Total Divas, you see it uh, all the time. I think on both of their social media feeds as well. So, I interesting I, because for for whatever reason, Alicia Fox is going to stay relevant here on on Raw, um, which is sort of whatever. But I. I don't know. I just don't know. Like this, this kind of maybe a little hole in the armor already before we've even gotten to a finish line yet. And of course, I could be reading too much into this, but you know, you know, the whole point of this is to dominate every single person in this women's division on Raw. Mm-hmm. That's that's their whole goal. Mm-hmm. That's all they care about doing. It really friendships, everything that you have with anyone is gone. No, no matter what. Everybody has to pay the price. The only one that hasn't is Asuka. Right. And I'm sure there's some fear there. 
Um, and there should be. <laughs> I mean, I mean, she does uh, murder one, people. This is true. Uh, yeah, and of course, you know, Oscar walks away smiling at the fact that she could be facing well, what could be a beatdown. I would never say it would be a beatdown because it's Oscar we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think at least it makes Oscar feel very important. There's a climax to be seen because eventually there will be that standoff. Eventually right. there will be some action between Absolution and Asuka, or maybe something else. Who knows? But if you have to attack her, maybe they're trying to woo her into joining the faction. So, mm-hmm. and my God, if they woo her into the faction, they better pray that Nia Jax leaves the cruiserweights alone, and they can go <laughs> draft about six other women to help them. So, um, nonetheless, th- this is coming to a head eventually, and I think what they're doing here is just systematically going through the women's division, and hopefully it, there is no big holes or anything. I, I kind of like what's going on here. To me, everything that they're doing right now, feels like it's important mm-hmm. it feels like it matters and it's not overbearing I, yeah. I don't think that they've done anything that's been like oh man that's just way too much i, I think they're doing just the right amount for each show and I, I really have a lot of curiosity what could happen i agree with you entirely i think this has been very well done over here on on the raw side of things and obviously we're seeing the it's it's percolating i think a little bit slower over there on smackdown with the riot squad and if there's any connection there we don't know yet but uh certainly certainly something to keep an eye on so i this is one of the more entertaining things to me on raw every week i, I can't i'm always curious as to what they're going to do with this so uh that that's good as well uh because this has been a division as we talked about on here a lot gary that has struggled many times uh, throughout this year to, I think, sort of stay interesting. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And all the players in that division that we thought were going to be the biggest became the, 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 you know, the people that have been lesser than entertaining or exciting. So <laughs> right. let's see if they can be rebuilt. That's mm-hmm. the goal here through page, maybe through absolution as a whole. So absolutely. Uh, uh, we just got to rate this thing now, Gary, what are you going to give it? You know, it's really hard. The reason I say it's hard to rate this is for the fact that I I see them do a a lot of positive things on this episode. I really wasn't disappointed in much. There was a few things I wasn't super high on. I really thought that the Cruiserweights did a bang-up job, entertaining me, keeping me excited. Uh, Maybe I wasn't a big fan of the Jason Jordan part of the show, but I really enjoyed the Roman Reigns and and Samoa Joe storyline mixing in with the Shield and Bar. I think all that mattered. I, I am at least really happy that they included Matt Hardy in the show, despite the fact that I wasn't thrilled it was through a video package. And I think Absolution looks strong again, and I really do care about what's going to happen to them. So I think oh, there's a lot more positives coming out of this. You know, maybe the Finn Balor thing, maybe not exciting me, but at least he does get a victory. So I'm going to give it a 7. I think it's a little bit better than a 6 for me personally. And, you know, it's about average. I don't think they did anything to blow me out of the water. I'm struggling with this too, uh, and I'm hovering somewhere between a seven and I kind of almost leaning towards an eight. Not only because I think they did some great storytelling on here, but there is a lot of really great wrestling on this show. The IC title match is really good. The cruiserweight match is very good. I think Sasha Banks shot. Uh, wow, Sasha Banks and Paige delivered very well, and I also think the main event delivered. And that that is most of your show, honestly. Uh, and this is not something we can always say about Raw, and it certainly isn't, of course, I think the reason why a lot of people are watching Raw, but when they deliver a lot of good matches on this show, I think it really stands out from, you know, your usual average fair 
that uh, that you get on here. So uh, I, I do very much appreciate that. I think Absolution looked great. I'm into the Joe storyline. I think they did some good strides with Jason Jordan this week, even though I don't think a ton of people are going to care uh, without a lot of hot angles going forward for this guy. Uh, and and I, there's really nothing to really hate on here. I, I'm going to play 7.5, even though I am sort of leaning more towards an 8. But this this was a very good episode of Raw. So hats off to, to WWE for that, because I don't think I really remember the last time I struggled between giving the show a good grade. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, I don't remember the last time that I rated one lower than you. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> usually you're a lot more harder rater than I. I sometimes I give them a little bit more credit than they're due. Uh, so I mean, I, I think that's really interesting, and and it was a really good episode of Raw. I, I'm not doubting that uh, you know people listening to us right now are giving a pretty high rating too. So good stuff coming out of Raw this week, and I hope they continue it because I think there's lots of potential we saw tonight, and I hope everyone definitely goes and checks out the rest of these episodes with us and you know keeps continuing to let us know what they think about these shows and hey if you're listening right now and you want to give us a comment hit us up on whatever medium you're using i mean if you're listening to us through youtube maybe leave a comment tell us mm-hmm. what you think about our ratings and not only that give us your thoughts tell us what you think because trust me we're going to read them and we're going to be really curious and we may even bring them up on the show next week so we'd love to hear your guys comments and also don't forget to go and rate and review uh and subscribe wherever you are listening maybe it's iHeartRadio, spreaker.com youtube or apple podcast wherever it is make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button rate us too because not only do we you know want to know what you think but hey when you give us five stars that also gives the people around the world a better opportunity to hear our stuff and maybe let them get involved in the conversation go check out w2mnet.com as well because that's a place where you go get lots of great wrestling podcasts besides this one and including it of course and you know there's lots of other great stuff over there of course entertainment there's also sports and uh you know of course all the wrestling that you can handle too so go check out w2mnet.com and don't forget to go also check out uh, the other websites that really support us and we appreciate them 411mania.com and last word on prowrestling.com they have lots of great written content plus they also host our show on there so we appreciate them and all their support that they give us and you know uh, don't forget to go check out our regular episodes of Wrestling to the Max we'll be having one later tonight that'll be episode 276 you're not going to want to miss it we've got a great ring of honor to talk about we've got some great news to get into and lots of cool stuff so don't miss that episode and of course the episode later on this week too so we appreciate you guys come and check uh, Smackdown Live out and 205 Live out tomorrow with Harry and Liz and uh, we will catch you guys down the road have a good one guys the following podcast is a W2M Network original production visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts plus news, reviews, articles and opinions from the worlds of wrestling video games, football and entertainment